sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. They went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, nobody gathered here today to hear me talk. We have gathered here today to hear you speak. And so, Lord, as we still our bodies, as we quiet our lips and silence our voices, we humbly bow before you, O God. This is your time. We want to hear from you a fresh word, a word of encouragement, a word of challenge, a word of exhortation, a word of comfort according to our need and your will. Come, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. My message today is entitled Mission Possible, but I wonder if there is anyone here today who is old enough, excuse me, mature enough to remember that old television show called Mission Impossible. Anybody remember that? This is long before the Tom Cruise series of films, Mission Impossible, okay? Remember the old television show that starred um, Peter Graves as Jim Phelps? The TV show was about an elite task force made up of highly skilled chosen individuals with various abilities to infiltrate foreign governments and criminal organizations as they were perceived to be a threat to national security. It aired on Saturday nights, if I remember correctly, and it was sort of a common staple at the Vanetten household. We watched it regularly. Mission Impossible. Remember how it started with that exciting music? Remember that? Dum, 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 dum. Do it with me. Dum, 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 da da Keep going. da 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 Okay, this is so exciting. Knocked Herb's cane over. Yeah, so this is so good. So it's too much, right? And you remember that the opening scene of that show, almost I think every show, it began with the voice from the cassette tape. And uh, say, Jim, your mission, if you choose to accept it. And then it would go on and spell out all of the dangerous intricate details of their mission, but then they would say, but if you are caught, we disavow that we have any knowledge of this secret mission. And then at the very end, you remember, and this tape will self-destruct in five seconds. And then, poof, a puff of smoke came from the cassette player. So dramatic. How many remember the show? Oh, man. And to my knowledge, Every single time the mission task force accepted the impossible mission. For many believers today, 
the mission of God in this world feels often like an impossible mission, does it not? When Jesus says, go and make disciples of all peoples, all nations, it, it sounds like a great idea, but how can we tell our neighbors about Jesus? How can we share and show the love of God to a people who, who may not even believe in God? And to a world and to a culture that seems to have been drifting further and further away from God and His truth. How do we reach people for Jesus Christ? It feels like an impossible mission. Today's passage represents a turning point in Jesus' mission. For the first time in Mark's gospel, Jesus is handing the task of kingdom mission over to his 12 disciples. He is essentially saying to them, it's your turn. These ordinary men who were rough around the edges, fledgling disciples, are now charged to carry the mission of Jesus into this broken world so loved by God. It's remarkable, really. How could Jesus trust this motley crew with anything? So far, they had failed him more than not and demonstrated their incredible capacity not to understand. If I were God, and it's a good thing I'm not, I would have probably chosen someone else, somebody more reliable, maybe somebody more spiritual, maybe even angels, spiritual beings that perhaps could be relied on more than these 12 men. But no, Jesus chooses 12 ordinary people. He calls them to himself and he sends them out two by two to change the world. And guess what? They do. They do. As we've already said, these 12 people, they are not much different than you and me. I mean, if the mission of God is left into the hands of these disciples like us, I mean, Houston, we have a problem. Boy, are we in trouble. But hold it. We are here today because of these 12 men. Are we not? There are three amazing aspects to this outwardly unfolding mission of God as it comes to us through this chapter. I invite you to grab your outline, a pen or pencil if you like, maybe just fill it in as we go. The first amazing aspect to this outwardly unfolding mission is simply this, that Jesus commissions them two by two. Just say it with me. Jesus commissions them two by two. In verse 7, calling the twelve to him, Jesus sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Now, who were these twelve? We looked at this passage before, weeks ago in Mark chapter 3. It tells us they are Simon, to whom Jesus gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder, 
Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. These are the unimpressive, ordinary people that Jesus entrusts with the mission of God. They are folks a lot like us. They are blue-collar workers, fishermen, a tax collector, at least one, blue-collar workers without much education or experience, ordinary folk like you and me, and they'd only been with Jesus a short time. Their faith had wavered. Their commitment was shaky. Their understanding was very limited. They seemed to get it wrong more than they got it right. And yet Jesus says to them, no, you are ready. Now is the time. It's your turn. Jesus, no, we can't. Don't, oh, Jesus, don't, don't make us do this. I mean, Jesus, we're... We're still trying to figure it out. I mean, Jesus, we don't have all the answers. Uh, Jesus, we're not really ready and prepared. Jesus, there's no, how could we be witnesses in this world for you? I mean, what if we mess up? And Jesus says, no, you're ready. If we wait until you feel 100% prepared, you will never go. I'm sending you out now. I'm sending you out two by two. I believe, friends, that Jesus is saying the same thing to you and me today, too. Never before, and seems in my lifetime, has our world been in such dire need of Jesus Christ. Never before are so many people feeling lost and lonely and isolated in our world as they are today. Never before has violence and mental illness been so prevalent. Never before has our nation and world needed the hope of Jesus more than today. And it's so easy to sit around and complain or point fingers at one political party or another or put the blame on others or pine over the good old days the way it used to be or cast judgment on those who don't get it or don't see it your way. But no, God is calling you to do something about it, to be the one. And he is sending us out like those 12, asking you to step up and step out. Jesus says in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear much fruit. Jesus says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, literally all people. And Peter summarizes by saying in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. It's so easy to forget our missional calling. I know for me, even as a pastor, I can get so wrapped up in my own agenda, my own to-do list, the tasks that are before me, that sometimes we can forget about the people who are right before us. The good news is that Jesus is not sending you out alone. Notice he sends them out two by two. 
I love what Caleb, a young boy in our youth group, said the other year as we were talking about the body of Christ and coming together, working together. He said, it's teamwork that makes the dream work. It wasn't original with Caleb. You've maybe heard that. And then somebody else said, notice there's no I in the word team. T-E-A-M, no I. David Gergen, a wise political commentator and former advisor to various presidents, once said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Jesus knows that we all need companions in our ministry if we are going to make it. I must confess that as a pastor, I probably would not be here today if it were not for my pastor friends and family and and others who have supported me and so many of you have supported me over the years with words of encouragement or gifts and goodies, keep the chocolate cake coming and, you know, I mean, just you guys have been so good. I don't think I'd be here today without that encouragement. The truth is, we are living in lonely times, and staying true to our mission is hard, if not impossible, without friends. I think of last week's Sunday in the park as an example. Many of you know I wasn't feeling great, and I was a little bit sick toward the end of last week, and that week, and, and I woke up Sunday morning thinking, oh, Lord, how am I going to do this, you know? We got a lot of heavy speakers and things to move around and a lot of setup to do. And the band is here at 7 o'clock. It felt like sleeping in today. Oh, my goodness, 10 o'clock. This is a piece of cake, you know. You walk through the neighborhood, walk a mile this morning. The fact is we do it together. And it works. With everybody pitching in and doing their part, Everybody stepping up and helping out where needed. Jesus knows that together is better. We serve as a team. And the question is, will you go? Will you heed that call? Will we stop making excuses and get in the game and do something? Love somebody. Send a note. Give a gift. Prepare a meal. Invite someone into your life or your heart or out for for dinner. We need each other for encouragement, for accountability. And Jesus is saying, it's your turn. This mission, I'm giving it to you. Jesus commissions them two by two. The second amazing aspect to this outwardly unfolding mission is simply this. We'll pick up the pace now. Jesus calls them to trust fully. Just say it with me. Jesus calls them to trust fully. Verses 8 through 11, these were Jesus' instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belt. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. And whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if a place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. In other words, Jesus is saying, travel light. Accept whatever accommodations are provided. Don't go shopping around for a better place to stay. Be content with what you have and what you are given. Don't get bogged down with a lot of baggage. 
couple of weeks ago, as you know, I was appointed to be a delegate at the General Synod of the RCA meeting down in Pella, down at Central College. We lived in dorm rooms like college students and shared bathrooms and stuff like that. It was really cool, really fun. I didn't know what to pack because the temperature had been fluctuating so much. And so do I pack, you know, clothes for warm weather or for hot, you know, cold weather? And I, so I packed everything. I mean, I, I, could have, I could have lived there a month without doing laundry. I had so many clothes. I, my suitcase was packed. I had to unzip the top, you know, to let the accordion thing pop up and just fill it up. And then I had extra bags. It was nuts. I mean, oh, my goodness. Just too much stuff. What baggage weighs us down in our mission? What baggage holds us back, keeps us from being free to minister the love of Jesus to others in need? Is it the baggage of a tradition? Maybe it's the baggage of the past or even past hurts. Maybe it's a bad experience. Someone laughed at you or mocked at you when you mentioned the name Jesus and now you're reluctant to even say the name. Maybe it's the baggage of thinking that newcomers got to become like us. They've got to do everything our way, fit into our program. No, Jesus says, be free from all of that baggage. Travel light, be agile, adapt, and be content with what you have. Jesus is saying, I believe, trust me totally. Allow me to provide for your needs along this journey of mission. Let me take care of your daily necessities. I will give you bread for each day. I will provide you with the strength and the spirit that you need. Stepping out in mission is an exercise in faith. Hebrews said, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I remember in the early 90s, this sounds, I sound old now, you know, kind of like your parents, you know, back in the 90s, you know, but back in the 90s when God called me to serve as a missionary to Cambodia, and I thought, wow, how, what is this Dutch white boy going to do in Cambodia? But I just felt God calling me very clearly. And I said, Lord, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I don't know how this is going to, you know, how this is going to go. But Lord, I'm just going to trust you. And guess what? I'm still here. God provided for all of those needs and then some. It's probably the best two years of my life. But you don't have to go to Cambodia or overseas to be a missionary. You can be a missionary for Jesus right where you are in your family, in your workplace, with coworkers and colleagues, or at school with classmates, in your neighborhood. But you need to trust Him and watch Jesus provide. There's that interesting little verse at the end of this uh, little section, verse 11, and if anyone will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave as a testimony against them. What is Jesus saying there? Well, you've got to know a little bit of the culture, a little bit of the context there. Uh, you know, Jews would occasionally, they didn't like to, but they would sometimes have to travel through Gentile territories. 
Maybe they'd have to take a road or take a shortcut through a Gentile region. And when they got through that region, the custom of the Jews was to shake the dust off their feet. They, didn't, they, didn't, they wanted to shed anything that might defile them. Anything that might sort of corrupt them from this Gentile territory, they would shake their, the dust off their sandals. And Jesus is saying here to his disciples, he's saying, um, you know what? You do your part. You are responsible for being a positive witness wherever you go. If they don't listen, that's on them. It's their responsibility between them and God to respond. We can't control how people respond. How many, can I get an amen? You, you, you do not know. We can't control and manipulate people into believing in Jesus or giving their lives to him, but we can be positive witnesses wherever we go. That's our calling. That's our calling. That's what we must do faithfully. Trust Jesus, trust God in all your ways, in all your steps, acknowledge him. Psalm 55 verse 22 says, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. What a great promise. Jesus commissions them two by two. Jesus calls them to trust. Thirdly, Jesus compliments them with transforming power. Just say it with me. Jesus compliments them with transforming power. Verse 7, calling the twelve to them, he sent them out two by two and what? And gave them authority over evil spirits. Verses 12 and 13, they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Amazing. The power of Jesus was upon them to transform lives. You know, when Jesus says, when I say compliment, Jesus compliment, I don't want to say he's like giving them a compliment, like uh, C-O-M-P-L-I. It's not like, oh, your sandals, your hair looks good today, John. You know, it's not a, no. He compliment, he completes them. He completes them with his power. Not only would the disciples have each other, but most importantly, they would go with the power of God in them. The power to preach effectively, to cast out demons, to anoint the sick, to heal, and to transform lives in the name of Jesus. Because if God is with you, who can be against you? And they were to be like Jesus to those whom they met, empowered by the Spirit to do the very things that Jesus had done. I don't know about you, but how often don't we feel inadequate for the ministry to which we are called. Sometimes I wake up and say, oh Lord, how can I preach today after this week? Lord, how will we have the strength to get through another Sunday in the park? I say, Lord, I don't want to canvas the neighborhood and pass out flyers. Do you know that there were several people here last week due to the canvassing? Praise God. Maybe it's more like, Lord, how do I love my spouse? How do I forgive him or her? How do I raise my kids in a godly way? Right now, we're not even speaking to each other. 
Or, Lord, my life is a mess. How can I possibly be used by you? Lord, I don't want to go to church today. I don't want to serve you. I don't want to give an offering. And the mission feels impossible. And in fact, it would be if it were up to each of us alone. On our own strength, we would all fail miserably. But here's the good news. With God, all things are possible. The mission is possible. Say it with me. The mission is possible. Say it again. The mission is possible. You and God are a majority. You and Jesus acting in His strength, you can do it. You will do it. God has placed His Spirit in you and you are not alone. And right this very moment, you have all of the resources that you need. For if God is for you, who can be against you? The helping, healing power of Jesus is at your disposal, which is really, really good because there are a lot of people who are in need and need to know Jesus. There's a lot of people who need that touch of grace, that touch of mercy, that hope, that healing. There's a lot of people walking around feeling miserable, guilty, stuck in their sin, caught in addiction, living far from God, feeling unworthy. People are down and depressed and despairing. Maybe even those of us here today, maybe someone is feeling that way. But Jesus gives you the power to touch their lives and to make a difference, not just in this life, but for all eternity. A couple weeks ago, Will called me. Sorry, Will, I didn't ask for permission, but Will called me, and he called me on a morning and said, could I please speak to the minister? I was here in the office, so. <laughs> Will, Will and I like to josh and go back and forth a lot, and um, so I said to him, which one? I said, we have about 100 ministers here at Grace Church, and I'm just one of them. You see, you don't need to be seminary trained or have a college degree or anything like that to to be a minister. Because the fact is, each and every one of you is a minister. God has empowered and equipped each one of you to do your thing, whatever it may be. My thing is this, standing up on Sunday morning, yours may be something else. But do it, and do it faithfully. Trusting God. You know what this is? It's a baton, right? A runner's baton, right? Relay race. My brother Mark is here today. Mark and Linda are here. Uh, Mark is a runner. Look at there. Oh, man, he gets applause. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how he got all the hair. He's got more hair than my brother Larry and I combined, but uh, he's, he's... he says he's the best looking one. I don't know about that, but anyway, so. But uh, Mark's a runner. He's run through school, through college. He's been running up until about a year ago, running marathons, half marathons, all of that, and uh, done an excellent job. Mark knows about running a lot more than I do, but what I do know is that when you pass the baton in a relay race, you better make sure you grab it, right? You can cross the finish line first in your heat, but if you don't have the baton, guess what? You don't win. Today, Jesus is passing the baton to you. He's saying, you take it. I'm here. 
I'm sending you out two by two as a team. You can do this. Trust in me and I will provide. And I am providing all of the power that you need. But you take this baton and you run with it because my ministry is now your ministry. And you can make a difference in the lives of others for all eternity. Take the baton. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for an opportunity just to be challenged today and to be reminded of this mission that we are on. It's sometimes so easy to get consumed with our own agendas. Sometimes we get consumed with religiosity, self-righteousness, and we forget about people who need Jesus. We're so thankful that Jesus has passed the baton to us and that we together, even as a church family, can run with this baton to reach people for you. And Lord, the truth is we live in a world of incredible need where so many are far from you. And often it feels like an impossible mission. But Lord, we know that with you all things are possible. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Fill us, equip us, empower us, and motivate us to be your people in this world your disciples, ordinary people making a difference, building your kingdom, growing your church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for involving us. Thank you for believing in us even more than we believe in ourselves. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen. few announcements to make. I invite you to read your bulletin. We welcome all who are visiting today. What a great honor to have you here.